When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, Fritzy! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit of teeth because you got thick skin. Welcome into After the Snap. We are without one of our fearless leaders today. Reed is actually big-timing us a little bit this week on the pod. He is currently flying to a Traeger corporate event and will be joining them grilling and smoking some great meats, I would assume. Joining us on the pod today, we have producer Chris standing in for brother Reed, as well as recurring guest, Daddy Britt. We've got a couple things that I want to get started on here in a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you, Brett, I see all of your credentials kind of hanging behind you. And you said, you mentioned, I think before that you have your, your Super Bowl credential from when you shot the Super Bowl and a bunch of cool stuff. Are you going to go to the masters this year? Dude, I've never been to the Masters. I like for some reason always. Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, as people probably remember, but um, I've never been. I've been to like one golf tournament ever for work, and that was covering Phil Mickelson's uh, first Champions round or whatever the they call the Senior PGA now. So I've been to that one. That was a pretty fun week and saw a rattlesnake, so I wanted to leave. But uh, I've never been to the Masters, but I need to like get on that. I always forget it's happening. And then with COVID, they played it in the fall or whatever last year, I think it was. But I need to go to that. How hard, That'd be fun. How hard would it be to get a media credential for the Masters? I would imagine it's pretty hard. I would. I have not officially tried. I think last year I asked about it with ESPN and like who I've worked for. And I was like, hey, do you guys doing a story on it or anything like that. And they're like, no, but it's always like finding the angle to like for a client to want to hire you. The normie stuff, like just people that would go to go like that would be really, really difficult. I imagine it's pretty locked down and not many people get credentials to that since it's such a premier event. The bigger the event, the less people that kind of get in. Well, that's a, I guess a goal for you. That would be, that would be like one of the bucket list things I would imagine as a photographer would be like the masters and a super bowl which you've shot already and then yeah um it'd be cool maybe a world series it, it definitely yeah world series would be pretty neat i'm not a big i'm not a big baseball guy i'm not a big golf guy basketball i hate so uh you know olympics were on my bucket list i did those and super bowl was on my bucket list as a big football guy so those i kind of got my two big ones out of the way masters would be neat though i think if you had the freedom to kind of do what you want and really make some art, if you had to just be there and be like, you got to stay on this group all day and you're just walking and following the same guys or uh, that'd be pretty brutal. I think that's a lot of, you'll walk like 
15 miles or something covering golf because you're walking more than the players are even walking right you're you're kind of tracking along if you know if you're following if you're following one golfer it's a it's a long walk but if you're following multiple on different holes you're and you can't there's no carts out there i mean the marshals have carts but that's about it yeah there's no there's no caddies for my lenses and cameras and all that yeah that stuff's heavy uh, too yeah you're talking probably carrying 40 50 pounds even a light kit and modern kit is probably yeah, 30 to 50 pounds you'd be carrying around all day. The Masters being in Augusta, I mean, you probably have to bulk up. I'm sure there's some great uh, biscuits and gravy restaurants in Augusta. That's true. I would be able to carbo load like heavy duty, and I would. You just, know I would. Just pack a few of the Masters, the Augusta National Pimento Cheese sandwich sandwiches in your uh, in your pockets, and you'll you'll have fuel all day long. Is that a thing? Dude. I did not know about this part oh. of it. Now I want to go. Way worse. So I love pimento cheese. So that's that is one that they are like absolutely known for is their pimento cheese sandwiches, as well as their egg salad sandwiches. Are you a Damn. are you an egg salad guy? Because I love egg salad and like deviled eggs. Some people don't like them. I, but. I can get into them. Okay. Good ones. Good ones. Bad ones. It's like you know, like gas station egg salad. That's a, not a good move. Yeah, but like, I don't know that. Uh, I would nice touch restaurant. That. Oh yeah. I don't know that no, I you shouldn't. Yeah. It's a lesson I think I've learned once. Well, moving on, we've got some breaking news actually out of the NFL today. I was scrolling along on Twitter as I usually am around lunchtime, and I saw a tweet from the NFL Twitter account. The NFL has released new overtime rules. As many of our listeners probably remember, and I, I wish Reed was on today to talk about this because they were on the brunt end of uh, of the overtime rules last season. The NFL has released that the new overtime rules are that both teams will now have the opportunity to possess the ball, which was the main thing that everybody had an issue with last year. Oh, they didn't change it for regular season, though, it says. Is it just playoffs? It's just playoffs. So the NFL playoff overtime rules, excuse me. Yeah. Glad we had our fact checker on with us today because that I would have been spreading some misinformation. So if the score is tied after each team has possessed the ball, the next score wins. And lastly, if the team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession, the team that kicked off is the winner. So interesting. So that would be so the you overtime. You the ball. Yep. And then you get a safety, you lose. Yep. Because why would the why would the other team need to to have the ball if they just scored two points off of you on your first possession? True. So. Yeah, I guess it kind of just uh, yeah saves you the wear and tear because the score is definitely not going to remain. It will the score will not be tied at the end of the two possessions then. Right. Chris, thoughts? I just got a text in our in the family group chat from my sister in law who sent me a screenshot of the rule change. The headline was like, uh, "Let me, I'll pull it up and read you the the headline." Because of course, in a situation like this, they have to, of course, mention Buffalo in it. It said the NFL changed an overtime rule for the postseason after Buffalo lost a playoff game to Kansas City without getting the ball in overtime. Like, thanks for mentioning us specifically in the headline. We really appreciate it. I mean, but that's that's the one that's at the top of everyone's minds, right? I mean, yeah. you think about who has who has been 
for lack of better words, just who's been screwed by the by the overtime rules. And the top of mind is is the playoff game against the Chiefs. What I think is interesting with all these kind of things is like, so you're going so far to change the rule. You understand that that is an unfair situation or could be an unfair, whatever your opinion is, good or bad. So you're changing it. Why not change it for the whole season? Like why? Like, so it's okay if you're in the postseason, you don't get screwed. But in week six, which might affect your ability to be in the postseason, well, then it's okay. Like, I never understand this with sports leagues. And it's not just the NFL. That's like, oh, well, the more important games, it's like, well, every game is important, especially when you only have a 17 game season. It's like a one game swing is a big thing, I guess. I, that's, you know, that is, that is an interesting thought. And, and I don't know, personally, I don't know the answer. I, I, I thought about that as soon as you told me that it was the just for the playoffs. That was what I thought was like, why, why would it not be across the board? But I'm sure there is some rationale that will come out later on that hopefully will make a little bit more sense. I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, seems like you would. I mean, I, seems like you would want to make it consistent across the board. Only thing I can think of would be that, like you, like you kind of alluded to that the, the playoff games are, are the most important games when it comes to making it fair and having the best opportunity and the same opportunity to win. My thing is, is like I w- if it was something that extended the game a longer period of time, then I would think that it would make sense to only do it in the postseason games. Meaning that like if you're going to add a lot of wear and tear to players – you know, and and add way more downs than I get that. But it's like you're talking about one possession to go from unfair to fair is the difference. It seems like that you can't really – I wouldn't think player safety is the reason they wouldn't do it for the whole season. And I guess the only other thing would probably be TV scheduling. You know, you're going to have possibly another 30 minutes cut into the secondary – the 4 o'clock or 7 o'clock games broadcast or something like that. But, again, it's just like who is that a problem for? I don't. I don't know. The NHL has the shootout, and then in the playoffs, they just continue until somebody scores. I think I think the shootout is one of my favorite things in all of sports. I would love to see a field goal shootout on the same on the same goalpost on the same end. That would be sick. I feel like we've discussed that before, where you like get to you know like fifty five yards, and you just is that what what Chris was that you? Yeah, that was my idea for overtime change. You just do field goals, and you start out with 30-yard field goals, and then you work your way back to 55, and that's where you just stop. And if both teams get there, you just keep crushing 55-yarders until somebody misses. I think misses. what you do is you go all the way back to, to 60, and then you turn around and start kicking the other way so that the wind is, is the same and consistent for everybody. I think you do the one possession – and then I think you go to the field goal shootout. That would be sick. I mean, if it's tied after the beach Street wealth has one possession at that point, now you're talking players have played 70, 75 minute games. You're getting pretty unsafe on those O line and D line. I don't think that's safe. I think it's just literally long snapper, holder, kicker. And you start at like 35, 45, like something, something a bit exaggerated and say, okay, boys, like kick them, you know? That would be a lot of fun. The kickers would hate it. They'd be like, <laughs> I don't imagine know. trying to make a 55 in Buffalo in November and then being like, oh, yeah. sorry, boss, right. you lost the game for I us. I don't again. know if I don't know if it would be easier or harder with it just being like the three of us out there. Yeah. I feel like 
because it's, I mean, that's what we do in practice every single day is it's just the three of us. We're out there, you know, on a field where the, the offensive and defensive guys aren't, and we're just over there kicking, but yeah, we don't have millions watching on TV and thousands in the crowd. It's so, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like if it was just the three of us out there, it would be like eerie, like almost like we're like just weird. Like we're not supposed to actually be out there. They should figure out a, a creative way to have the other 50 players lined up. You know what I mean? Like each side gets the a same cheer. Time. <laughs> yeah, like they go they go on either hash line and you got to stay in the middle and just, just one side of your head is just deafening 50 guys screaming at you or something. I don't know why it would be a problem. I thought special teams is a third of the game. It 100% is and it, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it to be a problem. I would just consider it to be different from what we have already become accustomed to, I guess. Well, heaven knows we're not going to solve this problem no. today. So No, we're not. What's next on the docket? <laughs> <laughs> also out of the NFL this week, the Dolphins have made a huge splash in free agency as well as just in the trade market. We signed Teron Armstead, tackle out of New Orleans, beef up the O-line a little bit, protecting our boy Tua, and we've given him another weapon. Dolphins this week traded for Tyreek Hill and have made him the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the NFL. He signed a brand new deal for four years, $120 million, and I believe it's around 75 guaranteed. Man, A, I want to uh, say that you made a great pun in there, and I don't know if you knew that you made it, and I'm mm. that was pretty good. Dolphins made a big splash. splash. Oh, yeah, that was good. That's good. No, I, Dolphin splash. I love I've it. I've been hanging around Reed too much with his dad jokes. <laughs> I was say, his dad jokes are heavy. Dad jokes galore. I can only think that Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill would be a great thing for Miami. And I know I'm talking to two Buffalo native fans and supporters so I'm interested to hear your feedback, but I'm thinking like put Waddle on one side, Tyreek Hill on the other, just have them sprint down the field, meet somewhere in the middle of the field, 60 yards down there. Tua just throws the ball and just somebody catch it. Like they can't guard yeah. both of you. You guys are going to slice up cover too. I mean, if they can run routes down the center and like cover two defense, you know, and just like that's going to be pretty brutal, I think. Just – get those dudes running fast and crossing and stuff like that. It's going to be bonkers. I mean, I think it will, my fear and speaking more vaguely, because I know you can't obviously talk bad about the dolphins, but my, my fear is getting a really good wide receiver doesn't necessarily solve where your quarterback is at. Not saying that two is good or bad, but I think like a lot of times when a quarterback is on that fence or that, you know, like a year ago, it was like, is two of the quarterback in Miami kind of conversation. Will that, like, where do you go now that you have one of the best wide receivers? Um, and then conversely, what does that do for Kansas City? I mean, I saw a lot of jokes online about, you know, they're going to quadruple cover Kelsey now and stuff like that because Tyreek opened up so many things of, like, where you defend. I think watching Buffalo, that's been really interesting, kind of how s- spreading out talent around the field sometimes gets defense to kind of just have they have to concede, like, where are we going to go? And that's why Cole Beasley, I think, was so successful is because 
okay, you're covering Stefan and you're covering Dawson or something. Well, he cuts under the middle and you get six, seven yards over and over until you can stop Cole. And then all of a sudden now Stefan's open or whatever. Yeah. I think that that's, that's all they've, they've tried to do by bringing on Tyreek and bringing back Gusecki. All you can do with, with our offense is give two or more weapons. Just get, just put so yeah. many good athletes and good players around him that the defense can't be right. And that was one thing in our 2019 offense when I was at LSU that Joe Brady brought to the table and he he always kind of preached was the offense that sorry the defense can't be right. That we have too many weapons to where if you double team somebody somebody else is going to be open and it, and they're just as dangerous in their own right. So I think that that's all they've they've tried to do as well as beefing up the O-line which is something that needed to be addressed this off season. And I'm excited personally just to, to watch those guys out of practice because that's, that's where you see like those special moments that obviously the games are, are their own thing, but seeing those, those like one-on-ones at practice and, and when the guys start getting kind of competitive and, and riled up a little bit, that's when you truly start to see these guys making plays and, and, and you see the the best side of of a guy like Tyreek Hill or um, a Jalen Waddle. And what happened? The Chiefs got a load of picks, right? Wasn't that most of what the trade was? Yeah, that was that was the the only poor feedback that I personally have seen from the fans or from you know anybody was, well, is he worth five picks? And I th- I think it was five picks. I think it was like it was a couple, couple first. Round I think it was like two year, though, first right? round picks maybe a second, a third, and a fifth or something like that. But I think if you use Tyreek in the right way, he's worth all of that because he he's such a dangerous athlete and he makes the field so much bigger than it already is that I, I think that I think that it's worth it if if we can use him in the right way. And I I'm I always go on the side of like, you know, a bird in the hands worth two in the bush kind of thing when it comes to the draft picks versus talent you already know. I always feel like there's there's just covering this league year after year. You watch so many hyped up draft picks either come to the Bills, who I obviously follow more closely, or any team, and just so many of them do not work out. That being said, I do think it's kind of interesting. Kansas City's willing to give up one of their top talents for draft picks in a year that I, I don't know. I didn't follow college football as close this past year, but I I just can't think that there's that many guys out there that you really want to get yeah i just don't know i don't know that kansas city could pay tyreek is the problem i I think that he might have he might have held out for because he obviously wanted the money and and we had the cap to give it to him on a new deal after he was traded but i i don't think with mahomes deal kelsey's deal i don't think that that they were going to be able to pay tyreek and and have him show up to training camp It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of room to make moves. I thought Miami did uh, fairly well in free agency with all the moves that they've made so far. I mean, you guys are clear cut running away with second place. <laughs> <laughs> all we can do is try to give you guys a run for the money this year, and uh, I, I think we're on a we're on a good track to do so. I'll say resign this one, but I don't know how good of a deal that Von Miller deal is. Speaking of <laughs> Buffalo, jeez. I, I text Reed and I was like, yo, Von Miller. And he's like, yeah, he got paid. And he told me how much he got paid. And I was like, literally just like put my phone down and walk yeah. away. I'm like, how much, what did he get? I didn't see it. I think it's, Chris will know better than me. I think it's six years, 120. 
Yeah, six years, 120, but really it's a three-year, $53 million okay. deal. So anything, everything after that's not, not guaranteed. They can walk away or, or get out of it. That makes more sense because I was like, dude, that dude is that's, literally in his 30s. Yeah, like, that's a lot of money. Uh, a couple still outstanding free agents, Stefan Gilmore, Bobby Wagner, Tyron Matthew, Odell Beckham hasn't decided where he's going to end up next year. Obviously, he he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, but still – I have a pretty good guess. Still could be back. I might for, have another neighbor down there. <laughs> still could he be back He likes going for, where other people are. I mean, he likes going where other people are we'll that are like goes. his speed, and he did L.A., he did Cleveland, he did New York. Yeah. What's the other fun town? I mean, Cleveland obviously is a joke there. That that's not a yeah. fun. But I mean, he's done New York, he's done L.A., no taxes in Florida, do a one-year deal, come down. I mean, he famously, like, ruined the Giants after he went to Miami once, so, right? And wasn't he on that boat photo or whatever where they lost for, like, two years after that boat photo? Yes, he was – I believe that was in Miami. Yeah. I think that was – Still a, that was like the best the day, curses. It was, like, before a playoff game, I think, right? Yeah, I think it was, like, before a playoff game. They were all in Florida – and I think yeah. the game was in New York, maybe or something. I don't remember. Well, I'd love for any of those four names that I just listed to come to Miami. I mean, I, I've I've heard rumors of Tyron Matthew just on what I'm seeing on Twitter, which would be really cool. Obviously, he's you know has not made a decision yet, but you know it'd be nice to have my my NFLSU guys coming down to coming down to South Florida with me. Bobby Wagner was on the Seahawks, right? Yep, and he was on that trip I went to London with the Seahawks. He was a nice guy. I liked him. Uh, definitely seemed like a no BS dude that would do some work. Yeah, I've only heard I've only heard good things about Bobby from the guys that I've that I know that have played with him. I think he was like the last member of the Legion of Boom that was still in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy how quickly that that has sort of dissipated. I mean, it's they were they were top defense. You know, one of the top defenses in the history of the NFL, and now yeah. you know none of them are around anymore. Uh, but it's crazy. Last thing, speaking of crazy, yeah. Last thing, <laughs> and speaking of crazy, I'm uh, I'm glad you said that because the only the only other question mark I feel like this off season is the whole Deshaun Watson Baker Mayfield debacle that's going on in Cleveland as you sort of mentioned. Yeah. Do they do they keep him? Do they trade him? What what do you do with with Baker Mayfield? I personally don't think he will be a starting quarterback again. That's Ever. my personal belief. Ever again? I don't think so. Not unless he's there's an injury wherever he goes. I don't know how he fits in. I think he had so many people around him that I think other NFL management and coaches would look at and say that he had his chance, he had his opportunities, and he still just clearly at his core just had bad decision making. I think everybody loves him. I love the guy. He's hilarious. He seems to fit the city of Cleveland really well. I think he showed up and kind of was what they had hoped Johnny Manziel would have been. Um, similar vibe out of college and then came in and he did better. Um, but I just think it's going to be hard. I don't know. There's been some weird quarterback decisions, though. Like, who did Pittsburgh get that was, like, very confusing? Mitch Trubisky. Right? Like, how how are you – I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Mitch Trubisky guy, but I don't see how he – See, I'm still, I'm still kind of holding out on Mitch. He 
I know people hate on him for the last few years when he was in Chicago. He went to a Pro Bowl. He went to. He was a Pro Bowler. Hold on. Let's bring up the roster them, of Pro Bowls. And I'm pretty sure to we the playoffs. I'm pretty sure you can find some other Pro Bowlers that don't, I don't <laughs> hold know. their weight up against. I think. I think Trubisky gets a lot of unnecessary hate, and I might get you know trashed on Twitter for for saying this, but I think he's a good quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I, don't I think know. that's one of those where, like you like you said earlier, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Maybe yeah. they don't want to develop a new quarterback. They I mean they had Mason Mason Rudolph that who came in under uh, Roethlisberger and they you know haven't really done a whole lot with him. But who knows? Maybe they maybe they have a have a, a system that that Trubisky will do well in. Yeah, back to Baker though. I'm shocked anybody signed Deshaun Watson. I was really surprised by that. And I'm not making any kind of judgment. I just, I am literally, when they said that anybody had signed him, I was really surprised. I also very surprised that nothing came of everything because there was a, like, I remember that happened when I was on a job with a crew and someone in the crew was like, he had like dozens of accusers or accusations. He still, it seems that he still has 22 civil cases outstanding, which means, that's a lot. which means that. He could just settle with all of these women, just pay them off and be done with it. And I think that that's probably what Cleveland was hoping would happen by giving him an ungodly amount of money like they did. I don't know what it was. It was like $240 million, I think, maybe. But it was – it was a crazy amount of money. And I think that that's probably what they were hoping for, but he says that he intends to fight and not settle these, these cases. So I don't know. The league can still put him on paid leave. They can, they can force him not to be able to play. They can, paid they can or unpaid. it would be paid. They, because it's still, a, get- it's still a, yeah. So he would still be able to get his, his money from, from what I understand. That's what. Where would that, that leave Cleveland? According to Pro Football Talk, that was the speculation: is that the NFL, with 22 cases outstanding, might put him on paid leave. That'd be interesting if he gets paid by Cleveland. While well, like, who are they going to play with? Because I mean, so they have the only other quarterback that they have is they. So they just signed Jacoby Brissett, who was my teammate in. Miami last year and played yeah, he played, played when too. Tua had gotten hurt early yeah. on. That was kind of the question that I was asking earlier is do they keep Baker on in the event that Deshaun can't play this fall? That's interesting. I don't yeah, I don't know. I was I was shocked somebody signed him. I I'll be shocked if he ends up playing this fall, I guess, because as far as I know, he was like he went to practice. He like went to the facility every day last year in Texas. He just didn't practice with the team, and he would just eat his meals and work out. Is what I heard from people in the in the league that like were aware of the so, situation. So it was kind of like he was on IR, basically. Now, I I mean that, I've never seen anything like this before, and I don't know if either of you guys have. I can't think of any situation no, like this. We haven't. But if you're Baker and you want to play in the NFL this year, I think if you're looking at a landing spot, probably Seattle. I was literally – You got Drew Locke. That was going to be my next sentence. And that's it. Is, you know where he could go is Seattle. 
I was surprised that he wasn't a part of the Houston trade. Like, did Houston just say we don't we don't want Baker or who does Houston have? Well, they must have a top draft pick, right? I mean, they they're terrible. I think. Well, their starting quarterback is Davis Mills, who has a neck up on Baker. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, um, Seattle would be a logical spot. I mean, it's a similar play style to what's his go go Hawks there. Yeah, whatever he's gonna say, go Broncos now. The so Houston has the third pick, so they they could take a quarterback. Where did Russell Wilson go? Broncos? Uh, yeah, he's in Denver. I made Reed watch him. Have you, uh, Chris, have you ever watched the mashups of, uh, that other players on his team have made of Russell Wilson saying, go Hawks? No, I haven't. Okay, so Russell Wilson has this thing that at the end of any time he's speaking publicly, he ends every talk with, go Hawks. And he says it like it's contractually required, which I think you'll get a great kick out of, and you should now go watch these videos. But if <laughs> viewers at home pause the pod and type this in, but there's one of his four, his teammates made a YouTube video and they just compiled all the times. So he'll be like at the end of the game, oh, really great game, so great to see the fans, go Hawks, and he just like runs off say, field, right? Or if he's doing a talk and you know it's really great, hard practice day, go Hawks, and he just does it. And so when I was on the trip, the writer pointed it out, and now I can't unsee it. Uh, <laughs> he says it, it's like a robot is like say go Hawks, and he does it every time. They're, they have a so, they have an earpiece. Go Broncos. They have an earpiece in his ear, and it, it seriously yeah. feels like that. Go Broncos. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's switch gears a little bit and cover a little bit of the Sweet 16 Elite Eight from this past weekend. It was a, I would say it was a good weekend in in March Madness. I, I don't think it was as good personally as the first weekend. The Houston Villanova game was probably one of the worst games of basketball I've ever watched in my life. I have I was watching it with some some friends of mine, one of whom bet on Houston as part of a parlay bet. And so we were naturally we were pulling for Houston and it was just it was painful to watch. They went like one for nine from three point range, like to start the game, and it was just it was it was awful. It was awful. the The Duke Arkansas game was immediately following, and I don't know if either of y'all watched that game, but it was much better. Duke came to play. Arkansas made a couple runs, but really couldn't couldn't stop Duke. And I I mean Duke just kind of ran all over the place. I was working all weekend, like 12-hour days, so I did not see much. But I did see the St. Peter's upset in the Sweet 16. I watched – I actually waited 45 minutes in line at Blaze Pizza and watched it on my phone for, like, the whole second half. And I was like – I think that was my last vestige of a hope in the bracket, I think, was that whoever they were playing. It was which the I think Purdue was, game. They, they beat Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. Yeah. yeah, I think I had Purdue going or somebody related to that night. And – 
what a run by them. But unbelievable. Like, I, I'm with you. I think like the every year March Madness, like I hate basketball, but I will watch March Madness. Like it is fun. It's so full of heart. It's what sports is all about. And even my hatred of basketball gets completely superseded by watching just the amount of the players are so into it. It's it's you can't yeah. it's electric to watch. But that being said, that first weekend's when all the craziness happens. Yeah. And after that, it's pretty predictable. So I was pretty stoked to see St. Peter's win again. But my hatred in New Jersey, I was like <laughs> glad to see him leave the next two days later. That was great. So St. Peter's actually won. So they, they beat Purdue on Friday, March 25th, which if you look it up, is National Peacock Day. Their, That's amazing. Their mascot. The video of that guy wearing the peacock face paint, though, in the stands was <laughs> he's just like, like they were posting everywhere that night. It was just too good and too weird. It was amazing. It, it was amazing. So, next up on the list was the Kansas Miami game. Miami was winning at halftime. Kansas storms back in the second half. Miami completely fell apart. And it, it just, I mean, Kansas, the last final one seed, ended up making it to the final four. The last game was was the St. Peter's game against North Carolina. Um, yeah, and North Carolina just it was it was them. not a good game. North Carolina just yeah. from the very beginning, it, they it started out it was like seven to nothing. St. Yeah. Peter's just was completely overmatched, and fi- it, it finally got to where St. Peter's just could not couldn't keep up with with the the big blue bloods of the of the NCAA tournament. So we have a final four matchup that is a first in the history of the NCAA tournament. Duke and North Carolina have never met in the NCAA tournament ever at any round. And that blows How my is that mind. Possible? Blows my mind. That seems wildly impossible. From what I understand, they have tried for years, the NCAA has tried to keep them on sep- on different sides of the bracket just for that reason because they play each other so often already that the only time they would normally be able to meet up would be in the national championship and as you guys know it's it is you know almost impossible to get there after playing a long long season it's it's so hard yeah. so uh duke north carolina duke 2 seed north carolina 8 seed I think that the way that they're playing, they're not playing like an eight seed. They're playing like at the lowest, a three seed. They've been, I mean, lights out this whole tournament. They've finished the season really, really strongly beating Duke. And and um, so I, I'm really pumped for that matchup. Duke is, Duke is four and a half favorite, four and a half point favorite over North Carolina. But if I was a better, if I was allowed to bet, I would I would think that North Carolina would be able to cover that spread. And this is Coach K's last run, right? Final final run. This is it. Man, that's interesting. Wow. Man, there's gonna be a sixty for sixty about this. Yeah. Especially if they win. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> what if I told you Coach K's still really good? <laughs> <laughs> he has not dropped off at all. The other yeah, matchup right? in the final four on Saturday is Villanova versus Kansas. Two more blue bloods of the NCAA basketball realm. I mean, it's this is all you can ask for. Villanova, Kansas, North Carolina, and Duke. This is this is it. Like the only other one that I would have liked to see in the Final Four would have been the St. Peter's, just because they were a cool Cinderella story. And I thought that they, yeah. I thought that this year would be 
after what I had seen in the first couple of rounds, that this would be the easiest opportunity for them to be able to get into the final four slash the national championship as a 15 seed. Because at that point in time, three of the four one seeds had already lost. Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, and Arizona had already lost. And so I was like, maybe they've got a shot. Then they played North Carolina, and it was just ugly. Speaking of the Final Four, we did the bracket challenge, right? So we have an update, and we got our top three. Do you want me to go through them, or do you want to go through them? You got it. Let's go. Man, so we have so so. What's really interesting watching the bracket is at first for for many games it was like forty seven people were in the top four, and I was like, how are they going to do these prizes? Because <laughs> like there's just going to be like eight people in the first place or whatever tied. So that was interesting, but it's kind of now it's gotten parsed out pretty well in the last couple games and rounds. Um, so at number one we have C Bauman nineteen ninety two. He's got Duke winning it, or he or she has Duke winning it, 870 with a max of 1510. And it's so interesting seeing that, that you can kind of see where you're at, but also like where your cap is. Because yeah. I'd be like, okay, I'm only behind 20. I look at my cap of where I could be, and I'm like, but I'm 600 points behind <laughs> them. I'm where I can get to. Yeah, you're like, you're like, I'm, I'm in 41st, but this is as far as I can go because I'm currently at my max. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Coach K was is in second place. They also have Duke going. They're at 770 with a 1410. Um, both of those people have the final four picked. And number three is Zach's Buffalo bracket, who has Baylor winning, which means they are probably not looking good. Uh, 770, and they had three of the four right for the final yeah. four, but the, the one they got wrong was the one they have winning. I have a sneaking suspicion that that's Zach Specht from Buffalo communications. He's one of Reed's good buddies. And I, I that's, I, I think I don't know that to be true, but if it is you, Zach, congrats on being in the top three. Technically you're currently ranked. You're tied for second, but after this weekend, I have a sneaking suspicion as well that you probably won't still be there. In number four, I th- who I think will probably be end up at, at number three is Fish Past five four one. They have seven ten with a max of eleven ninety, and they correctly picked three of the four of the final four. And sorry, winning? two of the final four. And they have uh, Villanova taking home the national championship. So I think it would take I think it would take Nova getting uh, going and and winning it all uh, for them to end up as number three. But we'll see how it all kind of shakes out. Again, some pretty sweet prizes for the top three in the bracket challenge. So check back after this uh, upcoming weekend and we will sorry after Monday. So the next time we record a pod, we will have a winner, man. Speaking of people that are not good at this bracket, all four of us, not great. And (laughs) which is funny because normally Reed and I are like really good, really good at doing like brackets and bowl picks and things like that. Like I participate in like a in a the Masters. I do like a like a pick 'em type thing where I pick you know these four and and 
I don't obviously put any money on it because I can't, but I usually do pretty well. Reed and I and the two of y'all, we have not done perform very well at all. I was hopeful like the first 12 hours. Yeah. You and, and you <laughs> and was, you said it. You started off really really well. I was in the top 5 or or 10 I think the first day. Um I think I had like one miss in like the first day or two. I was doing great and then that first big upset, I think I had that other team running for or St. Peter's I think really pooched my beginning. The problem was some of the ones I got wrong in the beginning. It wasn't necessarily – I didn't have them winning at all. I didn't have to go to the Final Four, but I had them going multiple rounds deep. So it kind of like – you could see the trickle effect of like, okay, I had Tennessee going to the 8 or 16 and yep. and I think somebody else too. There was, was some like, – Stuff like that. There was some matchup last week that it was like – I think it was like the St. Peter's versus Purdue game. I had – I think I had Tennessee winning that matchup. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was just like you can see how, like you said, how it trickles down. You make one bad pick and it just completely screws your whole bracket. It really does. Of the four contributors on this podcast, Reed is currently the highest at 75th. He has Gonzaga winning as his national champion. I'm currently sitting at 92nd with Baylor winning the national championship. Producer Chris is in 143rd with Gonzaga as his national champion and Daddy Brett in 148th with Gonzaga as his national champion as well. They really threw away that. that I was shocked when I walked into the room and saw – I like walked in my hotel room and it was like five minutes left and I was like, oh, Gonzaga's win- – what? And I was like, yeah, no. And then they were like bricked, I think, some free throws. Not great. Uh, Not great. Well, but in lighter in lighter news of this, we did find some pretty good bracket names. That was probably my favorite part of this whole thing was as people were creating their brackets, seeing all of the funny bracket names come across. And I have a couple. I've I've selected a few of my favorite bracket names. We may have to send out some like after the snap merch to these these folks or something just as like consolation prizes because they're pretty great. First one and one of my personal favorites was Snappy Gilmore and that's pretty It good. was I mean just I'm a big like so with fantasy football obviously fantasy football team names is is like a big deal you 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 know, come up with creative names and usually it has something to do with NFL players names or something, but, or something, you know, going on in pop, pop culture, but snappy Gilmore is pretty great. Uh, one shroot buck, which if you are a watcher of the office, you will understand that reference. It's the office is my, is reads and my personal favorite TV show and love one shroot buck. Uh, party like it's 1997. The last time Arizona won a national champion was 1997. And these folks had Arizona winning it all. So I got to give some respect to them. They were a one seed, didn't end up making it to the final four, but I, I respect the name and respect the hustle. The next one's almost painful as much as it's funny. Yeah. Because <laughs> we all just are so sad well, on Sundays. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad because they actually didn't even create a bracket. They, like, signed in like and, like, created their template for their bracket but never actually did their picks. Closed on Sunday, which 
as a Georgia native and all of us love Chick-fil-A as sad as we are every Sunday when we want our number one with American cheese with fries and Polynesian sauce with a large Coke Zero. Close on Sunday was a phenomenal name. The last two names kind of go together. And these are my... These are my absolute personal favorites from all of the hundred and however many brackets that we had. I believe it's 161 brackets. These were my two favorites. Number one is Will Wade is Innocent, and the other one is Free Will Wade. I want to speak for a moment to these because I dearly miss my my good buddy, Will Wade. I he is our LSU was our LSU fearless leader. He is an American gangster. He is a true OG. Like the FBI has been after him. The NCAA was after him. Pat Forty from I believe SI has been either Yahoo or SI has been after him for years. Dick Vitale has been after Will Wade for for a while now. I love Will Wade. I love the fire that he brought to LSU. Was he doing some things maybe not morally or ethically right? Maybe. Is everybody doing it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Nick Saban, if you if you went after Nick Saban and you investigated him just like they investigated everybody else, they would probably find a few things. It's just like a coincidence yeah. that they win every just, national championship. Just happens. Yeah, decade. it just happens that, that way. It's that's always so, happens. Um nothing weird there. Free my boy Will Wade. Hope he lands on his feet somewhere. We'll see how it goes. But those were my absolute favorite bracket names. The last thing we're gonna cover on this week's episode is the homeland, United States men's national team is on the cusp of World Cup qualification. They missed out on the 2018 World Cup, so U.S. national team fans are absolutely itching for this qualification and to see the U.S. go to the World Cup. They played Panama uh, a few days ago. Our boy, Christian Pulisic, had a hat trick. His his goal in the 64th minute, I don't know if you all saw it, was absolutely insane he got a ball in from the left side of the box he did like this 360 spin around a defender and chipped it up over the shoulder of the keeper it was just beautiful um, six that guy from he's from like pennsylvania who's yes. like a, a wonder boy yes he's, right? he is wonder yeah. boy he's captain america um yeah. funny enough and i i actually neglected to mention this on last week's pod while i was over in europe Two weeks ago, I actually was able to meet him. He currently plays for Chelsea. I was fortunate enough to meet Christian uh, while I was over there. Super, super nice guy. I'm super happy for him. I, I, I think on Wednesday, they play uh, Costa Rica, and they can qualify for the World Cup if they draw or if they beat Costa Rica. So the U.S. has taken the last four. Uh, sorry, four out of the last five versus Costa Rica, two of those being in 2021, just last year. So the chances are are good, keeping our fingers crossed for the boys to be able to make it to the World Cup. I see in the notes here that like this is 
you're gonna be played in November to December this year. I did not realize that, yeah. which makes a lot of sense because uh, you know Middle East is toasty. Yeah. So this, they announced that it was gonna be in Qatar back in like 2010. I was in yeah. eighth grade, and I th- I remember thinking like way even way back then like, wow, that's gonna be crazy hot. Like, th- like how are they gonna play these soccer games in the Middle East? Because it's always for as long as it's been around, the World Cup has been played in the middle of the summer. And it would just be way too hot. It would be impossible to play soccer games at a high level in the heat that you have in the Middle East. And I remember back when they first announced it that they were saying, oh, they're, they're going to be able to have – these like robot like floating clouds that will track with the sun and be able to provide shade for the for the stadium and for the players on the field and and i remember thinking back then like that there's no way that they're going to be able to do that and sure enough they didn't but they do have air conditioned stadiums even though they're playing it in november and december It'll be roughly 75 degrees Fahrenheit outside at the start of the tournament. As it progresses, I'm sure it'll get a little bit cooler. But I was reading an article on it this week, and they have a doctor from Qatar University who has spearheaded the efforts to keep the air cool and clean enough for fans and for the players they, they've nicknamed him Dr. Cool. I won't even try to pronounce his name because I will absolutely just butcher it. But he has spearheaded this whole effort. And, and uh, what they've done is they've put these barriers on the field level as well as in the upper deck in the stadium that are recycling the air and purifying it and cooling and recooling and just sending it back through so it just keeps pumping through clean cool air and that way it's not bringing in that outside heat from outside of the stadium so it'll be a lot like being in a 50,000 seat airplane that's actually really cool yeah. so Dr. Cool. I don't know I don't know how similar that is to what kind of technology that we have in the like the hot stadiums here in the US or around the world. I don't know how groundbreaking that is, but it seems like they've had to go to pretty extensive measures to make sure that th- this tournament is going to be played and that they're not going to have to postpone games and things like that. I'm sure that's the last thing that Qatar and, and the whole FIFA wants to run into. What a terrible time of year for at least US broadcast. I mean... Isn't that the middle of like the regular soccer st- season for like England and stuff? Well, that all they've I'm, they've had this planned. Certainly. They've had it planned to be in November, December for years. So I'm sure that they will have all shifted around it for that. True. But um, I mean, as far as like other sports and competition, you know, on TV networks and things like that, that's in the middle of football season. That's in the middle of basketball season. Uh, I guess the beginning of basketball season and there's other I mean there are other sports going on at that time whereas in the summer there's really not a whole lot going on outside of like baseball so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how the ratings go at least in the it's United like the States worst, it's like the worst part of baseball season too you know it's like that middle summer where like 
no, you know what I mean? Like diehard fans are always going to watch it, but like, it's not like it's like the, the early excitement or the end. It's the part of baseball. that should just get rid of it's the three. It's the it. three o'clock, like Tuesday afternoon games, the businessman <laughs> breakfast games exactly. or whatever. And it's just like, uh, who wants to watch a pitching battle and drink blood lights while we talk business. So um, funny enough, that's actually like my favorite time of the year because like during this, like June to July is when we're off. So I have nothing to do. I'm just sitting there watching afternoon baseball until, you know, other stuff comes on in the evening. So it's, it's actually pretty great will, in my opinion. Yeah. When I had MLB TV, I like kind of got pretty into watching the, the Tigers for a while after I lived in Michigan. And I will say it was kind of nice having a game on while I was doing work on the computer. That was pretty fun. Um, Qatar's seven hours ahead, by the way. So that's a pretty, I mean, a pretty brutal to Eastern time zone. So 10 hours ahead of Pacific. I would be kind of brutal for that broadcast schedule. I'd you know? imagine that they would play the games at seven, eight, nine o'clock Qatar time. Sure. And it would be, it would be, I guess, noon, one, two o'clock here. Yeah. Still just going to be yeah, a, I mean, if a, they, a rough time. If they play those games think, early in the day, like you're waking up 6 a.m. If they play those games at like noon, which I don't think that they will, that'll be like a 6 a.m. on the East Coast yeah, guess, or 5 a.m. on the East Coast. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. I wonder – I always like – for me, I lose a lot of interest in like the Olympics when they're so far – like the Asian Olympics, I, I – I have not watched. I think I may watched one hour of the past of these Olympics, and I usually Winter Olympics are my are my jam. But I mean, I get that obviously things have to happen on other spots in the world, but it's really hard to get vested in watching replays, and it's super just hard to be like, oh, do I want to watch sports now at one in the morning? Like, not as much. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that up because the 2026 World Cup is being held in Mexico, United States, and Canada. You won't have that problem. You know what the boys are doing in 2026. Oh, dude, I, Reed and I have already talked about it. Like, we are doing a tour for sure. I know Atlanta ha- has um, been part of the negotiations for hosting Nashville hosting games too, and stuff. So, um, I'm sure Miami, with their huge soccer slash football fan base down there, We'll we'll host some, so yeah. we'll have to uh, we'll have to make it to some of those games. But that seems so far off. And twenty the twenty twenty two World Cup seems so far off. Back when I was in eighth grade, and then I forgot about it, and here it is. Like, and alas, we still don't have robotic clouds. But we all could have desk jobs by twenty twenty six. This is true. I hope not, but I hope not too. Both of you should still be doing this weird life you have right now. Yeah. That'd be fun, man. It'll be a wild jump, though, to think about the summer in Canada versus Mexico. That's a large jump in temperature yeah. to go from even southern Canada, a lot colder than most of the United States, yeah. let alone Mexico. Yeah, I remember, and I mean, April, I was there in April uh, a couple years ago, which is not summer, but it was like still, it was like still like sleeting, like cold, oh, yeah. like spitting rain. At, in like mid to late April in Buffalo slash Toronto a couple of years ago. And so I can't imagine that, that there would be much difference of like a month and a half in the same type of place. Like 
It, yeah. I know uh, a couple of years ago, maybe there was snow in Buffalo, like in, in May. So I, that's, that's the only sort of reference point that I have. Cause Buffalo is basically just Southern Canada anyway. Spoken like a true, my <laughs> dolphins. <player. laughs> that, that compared to, compared to Mexico, which is along the same plane as Miami in the summer. Mm. Like that's, that's a huge, you're right. That's a huge difference. So yeah, that's me wild. the players are going to have an interesting, uh, at least like running around for 90 minutes in Southern Canada, Buffalo versus Mexico will be quite a task. We all know the finals will probably be held in the United States. So in the middle, yeah, I'd have soon. to think that it'll that's be preliminary rounds, Canada and Mexico and outlying cities. Then the finals will probably be in, Los Angeles or That's what nearest to the local Fox broadcast affiliate so we can watch Terry Crews tell us about how soccer balls work or something. <laughs> we'll have Dwayne The Rock Johnson opening it up like we did the Super Bowl. Something like that. <laughs> well, that is a wrap on this week's episode of After the Snap. As always, you can follow us on social media at After the Snap Pod. You can follow Brett on Instagram at Brett in Real Life. And you might want to see if you can find Grills Mafia on Instagram. There might be something happening there in the next week or yes. two. Not just a little hinty hint. Grills Mafia on on yeah, is it just so on Instagram? Just on just Instagram, on Instagram. Might be something getting posted on there soon. All right, for those go uh, fans. go check it out if you are part of the Grills Mafia gang. Chris is on Instagram and Twitter at the Rockpile Report. He does a really good Buffalo Bills podcast that I don't listen to, unfortunately, because I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, but if you are a Buffalo Bills fan, you can go listen to at the Rockpile Report. Please go give us a subscribe. Go give us a rating. Go give us a review. That's how we grow. We are looking to be on YouTube starting next week or the week after. We will let you know on social media. So check back there for more updates. We will see you soon. As always, this has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.